and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus. I am Ed today, and tonight we're going to be passing this off to our host for the evening, the the man with the topic, the man with the plan, our producer extraordinaire one, Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks. Are you not Ed every day? I am every, every day. I think I may have tripped on that, and I assume <laughs> you're going to leave that in. So let's just oh, leave it yeah. where it is. I mean, my, my joke doesn't land if we edit it out. I know, right? Exactly. And of course, we're joined by our good friend, Mr. Sean Jorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Good. All right, Chris. It is your show tonight, your topic tonight. What do you have in mind? So today we are going to be talking about um, a bit of self-regulation and um, how you balance yourself and trying to make sure when you're playing in a friend group or maybe like if you're playing board games or something like that, do if one person is just better than the rest of the people and that kind of thing, and what what our experiences with that kind of stuff, or especially like I think it might have a, a slight miniatures focus, just in that there's a large financial investment to buying an army, doing stuff, and then you know, but that's where we're gonna go. There's a little bit of. Um, weeds to dig through in that i think so it could be interesting could be boring don't know if it'll be a long show or a short show so i feel feel a lack of focus self-help episode that's what i that that so whenever you uh you you had proposed this um today in the chat i'm like this is going to be a self-help episode not that that's a bad thing because we do go on those tangents and i do feel that those are good conversations to be had so i'm all for it i think that's fantastic All right, but as always, we're going to kick off the uh, what we have been doing lately, still trying to break the habit of calling it a flight deck. Mr. Dorsey, what have you been doing lately, my friend? Um, That's a good question. What have I been doing? Um, I've been playing some just arcade on different, uh, different mediums between Steam Deck, my VS, my VS. <laughs> um, I'm working on my bedroom so that I built a, it's two shelves above, but I'm mounting like uh, my Nintendo Switch, my my Steam Deck will go up there for the dock and stuff. Um, oh, nice. And then I I have my VS is down. I, have, I Velcro everything down because I have cats, so it's better to have it Velcroed down than free floating. That's um, a good, that's a good safety tip right there. Yep. So, um, just been working on that mostly. Still haven't moved on my fish tank further than the that's last. That's what that's that what I, I was had. super curious to see how your how how your tank was coming. If you had uh, made any additions, had made any progress on it. No, and it's it's uh that's kind of so. What I'm doing with that this time is I'm really truthfully taking it slow so that I don't rush into it and then get frustrated with it. You yeah, know. that's what I, that's what I did with mine too. Um, admittedly, like I said, I, I I once I set it up, I had plants in it, and that was it. And it, and my, it's it's. Hmm, I think. Oh, I don't want to take up. The, I don't want to take your section apart, but I will kind of interject here. It's it's been my biggest joy. I was just literally having this conversation with my wife this evening, right after dinner. We're sitting on the couch watching a little bit of TV. Um, my biggest joy with the tank has been the amount of time. I think the kids spend more time in looking in the tank. 
looking in the tank and seeing what's going on in the tank than I do. Um, that has been a gigantic joy for me. And one of my ki- uh, my oldest daughter said to me the other day was, the tank's so much better now. There's so much life going on. Everything's really cool. Those first few couple of weeks, that first month, month and a half, when all you had in there was plants, it was just boring. And I'm like, yes, I know that. But the reason why the tank is in a perfect condition right now and all the water conditions and everything's working is because I took that time at the beginning to do it slowly right. and slowly bring things up before we got to where we are. See, that's that's where in the past I've done it with tanks where I move too quickly with them, you know, and it's not what I actually want. So yeah. at the end of the day, then I get frustrated with them. And I'm a type of person because I understand how tanks work pretty well is you can actually walk away from a fish tank and your fish will survive for a while because you've created an environment for them, you know? So if you have shrimp in there, the fish will feed off baby shrimp, you know, um, you know, cause fish honestly don't need, don't eat that much in the wild. You know, and that's something that people forget when they're, when they have fish tanks is people, there's a lot of people out there that feed two, three times a day. Well, Mm-mm. No, really, you should be feeding them one to two times a week, in all honesty, um, because that's what nature gives them. You know, when you're when you're looking at tetras in the wild or small fish, small tropical fish, they might be in a pool, and in that you know pool of water, it could be in a fast moving stream, but they're in this slow moving part of the fast moving stream, and they don't get a bug that falls for a week you know, that falls into that area or that doesn't move through too fast, you know, because it's just the way nature is, you know, shrimp, in all honesty, will eat the plants if you don't give them, you know, they'll die off too, but, you know, they'll eat plants as they rot and things like that too. So, you know, I had a tank where I just literally stopped dealing with it. I had fish in it and I looked at it three months later and all the fish were still alive in it. You know, I hadn't turned the light on or anything before and everything was still alive in it because they they adapt you know tropical now where they don't do well is when water parameters are not in their favor yeah when those shift up that's a bad thing and that's what kills fish more so than most things other than overfeeding overfeeding is the number one way to kill fish you know um because fish won't stop eating you know you you put food in the tank and they will continue to eat it until it's gone. And um, the second thing, of course, is, you know, temperature with tropical fish, things like that, water quality, water parameters. But if you have a fish tank that was going, that's why you can make like those, what uh, what are they called? Like uh, where people put plants in like a, a jar, like a, can't think of what those bottles, but like the terrariums. Yeah. But, you know, basically the ecosystem feeds itself, you know, all the microorganisms, the fish are eating all of those things and stuff and you seal it. So the oxygen is literally the full cycle, you know, it's the plant cycle, you know, getting oxygen into the bottle, the fish are eating, you know, whatever, you know, scraps or whatever shows up in there. And, um, you know, they just build their own ecosystem. So with this fish tank, I'm just waiting, but um, I've had other things I needed to get done that were more important. Yeah, understand. A lot of, a lot of stuff outside the house. So, like well, the last... those those first couple of weeks, those first couple of weeks of setting up a tank, you have to kind of be watching things. 
you have to kind of be able to have the time, even if it's 30 minutes a day or whatever it is, to kind of be able to like run your tests, make sure everything's working correctly, parameters are all hitting where they want you, you're yeah, monitoring you that like, nitrogen cycle. Well, it all depends if you really, like, I don't pay attention to that. Like, I'm not <sighs> a big, I'm not a big nitrogen cycle kind of guy with fish tanks anymore. I do have test strips, you know, because if you see fish not doing well or whatever you had the, the fauna you have in the tank, not doing well, then I'll, I'll dip it. You know, I'll see what the problem is just so that I know, do I really need to do a water changer? I'm not a big water change guy. I'm not a big, I'm, I'm a big balance guy. So one of the things about plants is they balance the tank quicker than anything else. You know, Agreed. There's nothing, nothing that you can do in that tank because the nitrogen cycle is going to happen no matter what. You're gonna put plants in. You're gonna put. You're gonna put. But in water is chlorine. You know your tap water has chlorine, and even if you use the chlorine remover, it doesn't get. You know, it doesn't turn everything into chloramine. Um, and it's. You know, I'm just. The only thing is, is I, I use RO water, so I have to make sure that's balanced. You know? Yeah, I I don't have that set up. I I will freely admit I literally have a log on my phone every mm -hmm. Saturday. Uh, I do test all my water parameters. Um, I don't do water changes. I get um because I don't have a hood on the tank yet. I'm getting a lot of evaporation, which I'm fine with. I'm okay with that, because um, it gives me the opportunity to just do a spot check every Saturday. Where are my levels? Um, you know, how, how are things going? Where's the pH at? Just kind of keep a things on. And I keep a log so I can kind of watch things week to week to week. And then I do a top off on the, on the water. So to each their own, uh, I don't, uh, I had to actually do my first water change this week since I set up the tank because my nitrates are getting a little bit high. They're not out of, they're not out of scope. They're not out of where I want them to be. They're kind of sitting at like between a 20 and a 30, but it's getting a little bit high and I'm not really sure why. It's your water. It's, it's yeah. your water. It's literally the water you keep adding in is bringing it with them, you know, and that's, that's what's going to happen with it just because, you know, you're using tap water, right? I am, but I'm conditioning it too. Yeah, well, conditioning, once again, it's, you know, your tap water still has microorganisms. That's why, like, if you if you have, um, if you have contacts, you're not supposed to use tap water to clean your contacts because, you know, yeah, tap water, tap water isn't filtered, tap water is treated. Correct. So what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, there's a lot of microorganisms in tap water that you can't see, that you can't, you know, you'll, you'll never know they're there. But there are some that will destroy your your cornea of your eye. In in um, so if you're using tap water to clean contacts, you have a potential of having one of those organisms get in your eye, and then it gets trapped between the contact and your eye, and then it just it infects your eye, and then you know you it takes a lot to get rid of it, and um, you know that's why you use saline or you know sterile water to do the do your contacts and so I a use, lot of I that use stuff, minor hydrogen peroxide my, my, i kill everything that's in there yeah and, and that's the thing about tap water is all that stuff does exist it when you put new tap water even though you use dechlorinator in it because dechlorinator is really and truthfully only working on chlorine because chlorine is the number one thing that can kill fish quickly 
is is having chlorine in and what it does is when you put that in there it's turning the chlorine into what chloramine or whatever it is mm-hmm. um which is still part of that nitrogen cycle you know that it still exists in there so when you add fresh water a lot of times you're adding that plus you have metals in your water um that come through the pipes it's you know you have slag in your pipes which is why I don't drink tap water because I've seen literally inside my water pipes before and you're like "Mm, i don't think so yeah you know that's why everything is ro water for me if i'm using water if i'm boiling water i'll use tap water because you're gonna kill everything that's in there boiling it but you know water i drink everything it comes out of my ro system and don't you have problems like without with ro water there's like no dissolved minerals doesn't it actually like dehydrate you faster or are you adding something to it I don't add anything back into it, um, but I'm adding other stuff. Like I don't drink straight tap. I don't drink straight water. I'll put other stuff into it, like you know, Crystal Light, which has crap in it. You know. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That that'll yeah. do. Yeah. You know. Um. So you know, the one thing I don't do is I don't put straight RO water into a fish tank. You have to use equilibrium to get it back back to be remineralized with something that your plants and your, you know, your shrimp or your fish and all of that can utilize, you know, to stay alive. If you went with straight raw RO water, you would have a tough time keeping a fish tank alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've done that experiment before too. And, you know, basically flushed a lot of money down the drain. (laughs) Quite literally. Yeah. But as far as gaming goes, um, trying to think, we got a, I got a game of Terraforming Mars in, so played that with my friends. Um, I came in last in that one, but that's one of those games where, you know, it was just fun to play, you know. Um, but then the rest has just been arcade games on different mediums, some on machines, some on the VIA, some on my Steam Deck, just depending upon how I'm feeling that day, you know. So that's pretty much my gaming um, and hobby stuff right now still working on trying to get my living room or my dining room organized so that we can start assembling but now i'm kind of thinking i'm just making up excuses now (laughs) because it's about a 15 minute thing with my son and i just moving all the stuff around so you know i i'm excited to build stuff but then i think i'm you know kind of at that uh paralysis point too because there's a lot of stuff that i have to build and I look over there and I see, oh shit, I got boxes and boxes and boxes of Space Marines, Astra Militarum, and yep. other stuff to build. So, well, there there is an, an old one of my old favorite sayings is how do, you know the best way to eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Yeah, the only yep. way to do exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, that transitions actually kind of nicely into mine, Chris. I hope you don't mind because I know you've got a uh, not at all. All right, cool. I appreciate that. All right, so I have been reinvigorated um, since coming back from Adepticon with my 40K hobby. Um, I've uh, been doing a lot of building and all the stuff that we picked up from Adepticon, which was quite a bit, not to, not going to lie. Um, but that has involved a painting frenzy in the last several weeks. Now, admittedly, I'm not Chris, so my version of a painting frenzy includes finishing my um, last uh, five-girl uh, Battle Sister Squad so that I have full 
three f fully painted five girl squads so that I can hit the minimums for those. Uh, I want to get on, I actually want to do full 10 girl squads eventually, but I'll get to that shortly. Um, but I've also finished uh, both of my retributor squads are done almost. Uh, the one's completely done and painted. The other ones are currently sitting upstairs right now, waiting for the um, Martian earth to crack. I, I usually give that an overnight dry. Um, I know you can do it with like in a couple of hours, but I've worked enough with it that sometimes it's not enough <laughs> and it's still wet. And then you end up trying to run um, a wash over that wet. It's just a mess. Um, but tomorrow I'll go ahead and run an aggro earth reader over that. I need to you know glue down my little tufts and some rocks. And I've got a couple of, um, that was just Craig flickering, by the way, Chris. Um, yeah, I uh, and I've got a, a decals I've got to put on. Um, I've gotten so far as to doing, I was did the decals on the book that the, that the, the uh, superior is holding in front of her hand, which actually looks really good when it's done. Like I, this is the first army I have ever done decals on. I've always been afraid of them. I always felt like they looked hokey on other people's models. I seen because the, the, the decals themselves kind of have a gloss finish and every other paint has a matte finish. So they stand out. So all I've been doing is just painting a matte varnish over top of them and they, they blend right in for the most part. Um, but once that's done, um, I've got another squad of retributors upstairs. I want to paint and prime and Zenithal highlight. And then I'm going to set those aside because I finally, finally, finally want to start getting into painting the castigator tank. So like I've got a plan. And then after the castigator, I'm going to have Sister's Repentia, which I have been fearing to paint um, because I don't know how to do all of the skin tones that I want to do on my Sister's uh, Repentia. And speaking of which, you know, Chris and Sean are the greatest friends to, I could ever have. Except whenever you're trying to convince yourself not to spend money that you maybe should or shouldn't do, but... Instead of like discouraging you and saying, no, I know that you found some guy in the UK who has the four or five metal repentia, which are the exact sculpts that you want for the old ones. And he's asking 22 pounds a piece, which is like $140 US. And I'm like, I, I talked to the guy, I messaged him and said, you know, if I can get it kind of down more like the 10 to $12 US and had a negotiation with him. And we, we ended up settling on like $16 a piece for five metal repentia being shipped over from the UK, which came out to like a hundred bucks. Um, and of course I mentioned the guys and like, guys, I'm about to pull the trigger on five metal repentia and Sean's, I think Sean's the best or between the two of them. Yeah. Like it's because I bought those four at Adepticon. It's that sunk. Uh, Chris comes back with, well, it's a sunk cost fallacy. You've got four and I got to have the whole set. And you know, and Sean's like, Oh, you won't be happy until you have all of them. So of course I pulled the trigger and they're here. They're here now. Um, luckily for me, they're bare metal. Uh, two of them are actually prime black. I think I can get that off. Uh, if I were kids, don't do this at home. Um, Stripping metal models is a lot easier because you can quite literally just put them in brake fluid. Um, that's your automotive brake fluid, and that will peel every ounce of paint off of those metal models and get them down to bare metal if you really need them to. I don't know that I need to go that route, um, but if I wanted to, I probably could. And it's super dangerous, and you should never, ever do that, um, but it works. It works really well, just, th just throwing that out there. So yeah, that will be the first squad that I paint will be the old school ones, which also means I need to strip the ones that I got from Adepticon. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how I'm feeling about it. There's a big, big part of me that feels that I need to strip the ones from Adepticon because the basing scheme doesn't match. But then there's the other part of me that's like, 
there's a part of me that wants to like hang on to the history behind those models. Like someone else painted those. Those are they're 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 okay. They're 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 pretty good. And I do they do intend to use the same paint scheme for them. So I don't see the value in stripping them. I mean, if they were a different paint scheme, maybe. But since they're still in a, the Armada Lady paint scheme, probably worth it to keep it. Um, and so that's 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 hobby stuff. So I've like literally have been painting every other day even if it's like an hour or two a day or so to kind of get these done because my goal of course is to whenever 10th editions i'm not i'm going to miss my goal my hope was to have a combat patrol fully built because there's separate rules for combat patrols in 10th edition and to have that combat patrol fully painted and since i've been scared to death to do the uh the repentia i'm going to miss that goal but i can continue i'm going to continue on i just want to get them all get them all painted and get them all done I've been playing quite a bit at the store recently. Um, Chris, I don't know if you edited the uh, the show yet. Steam Decks it, and Aquariums. Uh, it's, it's up and out. Oh, it's up and out? I didn't look. That's my fault. I should have looked. Um, but so we've been playing a lot. We, we're introducing another new guy um, to 40K. 10th edition has brought a whole bunch of people who are like, oh, yeah. It, oh, I, he I hear I've got a friend that plays 40K. Maybe I should go and take a look at the game. And we're all like, this is the best possible time you could ever want to get into the game because quite honestly like unlike other editions in the past you don't have to buy a rule book the rules will be free online you don't have to buy a codex are free online yeah but like the full... available now they're oh, available now oh then they post it because i was going to say because yeah. th those leaked about a week ago which i may or may not have gotten a copy from from the black library i don't know where that came from but they magically showed up on my google drive i don't know where it came from it's just there um but um, oh the... go ahead I post them to my Google Drive yesterday. No, there yeah, you go. They're available for free on the Warhammer community website. Yeah. So just go to the Warhammer community website and get them. Yeah. Go and get them. The upside again for this one is it's the actual full rules. In the last year, whenever they had, or last edition, when they had ninth edition rules, they had the core rules, but there were missing things like terrain rules, how to build an army. That kind of stuff. None of that stuff was in the stuff you can download from online. So you still needed a rule book to be able to get those rules officially. Um, this is the whole suite. This is the whole nine yards. And slowly but surely, they're going to start releasing over the next couple of weeks, to my understanding from the rumor mill, um, the full data card set. So whenever June 20th rolls around, the official launch date of 10th edition, everyone's going to have everything in hand and ready to go. You couldn't ask for a better time to jump into a game because you can quite literally download all those rules, buy yourself a combat patrol, build it and you are playing 40k like the best possible time to do it so of course we're introducing a new player so i've been playing coach i did get one game in i get to play against chad that was kind of fun um chad does what chad does as always um you can almost run the script chad runs up the middle with berserkers and karn and stands in the middle to get shot and runs right into you might want to put a, put a pause on this ed because you know it might come into the main topic Ooh, all right. Well, yeah. I will hold that. I'll, I'll, I will, I'll put a pin in that thought then. Um, but long story short, I've been getting a lot more, getting up to the store more often, getting the game, getting games in or coaching games. Co coaching games is kind of interesting for me. Um, it's one of those things that I, I kind of enjoy. I kind of feel like a professor behind the podium kind of teaching. Cause it was interesting. The game that I coached um, this past Tuesday was Andrew, the person who we've brought on over the last few weeks, who's gotten enough reps in that I have to talk to him less and he has less questions. 
because it's starting to click where it was him playing against a brand new player in Corey who had never played before. Both of them playing my armies, by the way, because um, it's the X-Wing scenario all over again where, oh, well, I'll bring this army. And then Andrew's playing my Tyranid army. I, I brought plenty of armies to, to game night. I didn't play one of them. Other two, two other people did. But it's been kind of fun to be able to kind of just stand back and kind of like, oh, you've got a question. This is how it works. First two turns on their step-by-step is Corey's doing his thing and then kind of start taking step backs, only asking questions, that kind of thing by the end of the game. So it was a good time. I, had a, I, I really did. So that's that's hobby stuff. Uh, I will quick a real quick update. The, the aquarium, for those who are interested, doing really, really well. We have confirmation. We have shrimp babies. <laughs> they are so super tiny really tiny like so much so like they're really really hard to see but my kids have been super excited to find little shrimp babies in the back i think we have a confirmation of at least four or five which means there's probably a lot more kind of hiding out in the back corner of the tank where no one can kind of see them i've got a piece of driftwood back there which is where i think they're all hiding which is great they'll be there for a few weeks until they start getting older and get a little bit more confident to be able to, to physically be able to come out into the tank so that's exciting um, one of my mystery snails also decided to drop a clutch of eggs at the very top of the aquarium. So we're just like, we're, we're just teeming with like, oh, and the other thing, one of the, um, erudite snails, the small ones who I only got six of them because they were just going to be a kind of a cleanup crew. And that was it. Um, one of my kids pointed out, Hey, this one looks kind of young and different than the others. I'm like, well, that's weird. Let's do a count real quick. And here it turns out there's a seventh snail, now, my understanding from everything that I read online, those particular snails need brackish water, which is a little bit more salty, not like quite like seawater salty, but a little bit more salty to be able to hatch and do all this stuff. So those conditions are not in my tank at all. But somehow, some way, you know, I'll channel Jeff Goldblum here for a moment. Nature found a way. So I've got a brand new iridite snail that I have no idea how it got there. So we've got, we've got new snails. We've got, you know, a clutch of eggs on the top. So at about, you know, about 14 days, I'm going to have a whole bunch of mystery snails that I wasn't necessarily planning on. Um, and then baby shrimp. So like everything in the tank has been fantastic. It's good. It's been, it's been all, it's been awesome. Oh, and the other downside is don't share a steam account with one of your kids. Just don't do it because it's great whenever they're playing Valorant and they're not actually, you know, on Steam at all. And you've got your brand new Steam Deck and you want to be playing these games on Steam Deck. But when they all of a sudden decide that they're going to go back to playing Rust, which is on Steam, and they kind of bump you off the account. The upside is, of course, with all the, you know, retro games I've got on there, I've got, I, I think I spent two and a half hours. I spent enough time playing NBA Jam on the on the Sega Genesis uh, that I gave myself Genesis Thumb or Nintendo Thumb, as it's been called. Like, it, it's been fantastic. So again, a huge proponent of the Steam Deck. Anyway, I think that's the brief, brief, short, short version of what I've been doing. Chris, you went on a trip. What have you been late doing lately, my friend? Yeah, we went back to the, uh, the UK for my sister's wedding in uh, in May, so I was gone for like two and a half weeks in May. Did the whole um, family, the whole family go. I, my, my wife yeah. asked me. That's what I, I'm like. I would assume yeah. so, but I don't actually know. They didn't all go to Warhammer World. I know so, that, yeah. but oh, um, yeah, we took Ayla back for her first trip back to the UK. So that was fun, you know, flying with a five year old and a, a nine month old. Um, it was great. Couldn't be better. Recommend it to everyone. How long was the flight? Uh, eight hours. Yeah. You, yeah. Did you have to have a seat for both of them? 
Um, just a seat for Evie. Um, yeah. Ayla was still in WAP, um, okay. which meant it didn't cost um, all of her monies, just most of her monies. Right. But uh, on that note, I do have a slight correction to um, the last show that you guys put out without me. Uh, I did try to buy the uh, ROG um, handheld. Is it the ROG yeah. Alley? Is it? I can't R- remember. The ROG Ally, correct? Yeah, but uh, they cancelled my pre-order, saying that they were worried it was fraud. So I'm like, you know what? What? I'm probably not going to reorder it now. Wow. Um, because they saved it from my, he saved from myself by saved uh, me from myself. The Best Buy saved me from myself by giving me my money back and saying, you know, before someone was trying to steal your money. So yeah, um, I was like, uh. Um, I'm probably going to end up spending more than I want to in the UK and being probably, in the probably in, better off. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, we were me, uh, Jono, and Dave. Um, we recorded an episode of Heresy Cast, which is available for you to listen to. I will um, absolutely have to. That'll be. I'll listen to that in my driving to work on Monday. It's uh, boarding action action. Uh, Heresy Ooh. Cast episode six. And um, yeah, it was good. We played. I got to play with my uh, Eandon, um Wraith Guard army. Um, 11 models in uh, 500 points is good. Um, and yeah, I got them mostly painted. But I've not posted pictures in um, on Instagram or anything yet because I still have some detail in to do, uh, but they should be finished hopefully soon. But it was really nice. Um, guy was like complimenting me on my painting and it turned out it was um nathan who does the painting videos on gw's youtube channel because uh, awesome. I'm, sure, I'm sure i'm sure i know this guy's voice and it, it, yeah, was, it did you recognize his hands by chance no no i, I, I reckon <laughs> i was i'm sure i know this person but i get that a lot when i go to games workshop and like warhammer world because i've been going there and i like, involved it in that scene for a long time so i kind of and I, i'm terrible at remembering where i know people from so i'm just a horrible person but yeah it was uh, it was nice to get um compliments on painting the yellow and uh, i hadn't done the blue yet because um i didn't have any i actually had to st- this was going to be potentially going to be the topic for today was no, um any yellows and I, blues no like traveling <laughs> and like how you if you travel to paint or play games or like what how you go about doing it um because i i packed i made a painting pack up to take so i had something to do while i was there like as in in the uk in general oh, uh, and I, I sort of sort of wish you had done that and the only reason i mention that is because quite honestly um, i'm gonna make next week's show without a problem and then that sunday i'm flying to orlando for work and i'll be there all week and i was quite literally having the conversation with myself last night do i take models to paint like do i just take well, the cat well you, the you should and then you can we can do it as a topic when you get back I think I might. I think you've convinced because, of course, I'm going to take the Steam Deck. And I mean, we do have stuff planned in the evenings and stuff, but it would be kind of nice like, to start kind of unwind from the day. Just to, even if I'm putting down just a layer or two of something on something, I'm legitimately debating doing that. I, I got a good chunk done at the start because I, I've been really busy. Sorry, Sean. Uh, no, go. Just real quick, I just posted something in podcast, podcast crap. It's a picture from the new rule book. Doesn't the guy on the right look like a very young Chris? 
Oh, hang on, hang on. Is that the person playing podcast crap? I don't see it. I don't see it either. It's probably uploading the um the image. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out. Hold on, let me. um, Oh wait, there it is. Oh yeah, I can see that. Oh, it's not not fat enough. No, I said a young, a really young, 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 like your Air Force hoodie on and everything else. Yeah, like <laughs> RAF, Chris. Come on. Oh, it's like, oh, I've got to point at this while you measure with your tape measure. Yay. <laughs> We're definitely really playing this game. Uh-huh. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, I've w- lost where I was now. It's okay. Sorry. Uh, we were ta- you were talking uh, yeah, about so, um, knowing people at Warhammer World. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know. It's good, good. Um, I took other stuff to paint, and I got a good chunk done. Is I'd been really busy in the lead up, um, like meeting with the accountant. Who it looks like it's going to cost a bunch of money to do all of the um, the taxes and everything properly. I have an accountant now. And that's like the worst thing in the world because I have to like not only do like taxes and bookkeeping, but I now have to then take it to someone to talk to about doing taxes and bookkeeping. And then, yeah, it's just not fun. We have a CPA specifically for that. And let me tell you, though, one of those, my favorite surprises when you realize that your wife's new job has not been taking out local or federal taxes, which to the best of my knowledge is illegal. Um, so yeah, our taxes this year were not, not good. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those uh, those things. I've been really busy doing that. I didn't get as much of Miami paint as I wanted to, which meant we landed on the Sunday, um, drove up to Wigan from um, Heathrow. It's like a four and a bit hour drive, and it was roasting in the car, and um, traffic was bad. Got back, and then Dave and Jono were going to pick me up on the Tuesday. So I had Sunday night jet lagged, um, immediately started painting. Uh, mon- all day Monday, um, I-, I took breaks to go and see um, family and stuff like that and do the bare minimum social interactions that I could. <laughs> but I basically, I commandeered the in-laws dining room table. I went to uh, Asda and bought like a cheap um, ring light where you put your-, your mobile phone on it if you want to become an Instagram model. Or whatever you know, do if you want to do the TikToks with the kids. Um, <laughs> so I bought one of those just to kind of try and balance out the lighting so I could do this painting. Um, but I actually made Jill, we were driving to the airport on the Saturday, and I was like, we need to stop at the sentry box because I've got a list of paints I need to buy. <laughs> so I, I went in, and then the sentry box didn't have base wolf gray contrast paint. Oh. It didn't have towels are blue, and Ooh. there were a couple of different colors that it didn't have that I needed because I was following um um a I'll link the video in the show notes, but it's a YouTube channel. Um, it was a guy was doing like um called heavy contrasted series, so it's like trying to do a heavy metal standard using primarily contrast paints and then just highlighting. Um, I was I tried and I got to doing finally got to doing the blue like last week and i just i hate it i every <laughs> second of like trying to follow someone else's method i was just chatting about it like 
I've spent 15 years developing the way I currently paint. Like from before I moved to Canada, I'd kind of given up on doing what what everyone else was kind of doing at the time. Sure. And started working on this, and then oh, and yeah, I, I paint quickly. I paint to get results, and then trying to stop and like. Okay, so this is layer 17 of the glaze that I need to put on. Ooh. Get the nice the nice smooth track. That's an over exaggeration. Yeah. But like I... trying trying to do the super thin down glazes to get a really smooth curve on on elder models where it's all smooth paneling. I'm like, oh, this is painful. Yeah. I, I really wasn't enjoying it. So I was like, okay, if I ignore the fact that I'm trying to follow this guide. How would I go about doing this? So okay, we'll we'll try and cheat. So I'm I kind of have something in the middle. Um, trying to use contrast paints to do simple glazes, and yeah, it, it's gonna be weird. If I can get it to work, it might make a good video. Um, we'll see. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I personally, like I said, my current Armory Lady uh, paint scheme is a thousand percent. Um following the steps that Duncan Rhodes laid out in his video. Um, It it helped as a starting point. Like there's a lot of the stuff. First of all, I don't even remotely come close to his skill level on some of the stuff he does. I definitely don't go through the multiple highlights that he does. Um, But it gave me a starting point for picking colors and kind of getting, okay, so here are the colors that are going to get it washed with a non-oil. These are the colors we're going to wash with a Reichland Flesh Shade. These are the colors we're going to wash with an Agdrax Earth Shade. Kind of getting you like the base, the the base and the high, uh, base washes and highlights, which is pretty much my paint style. I'm not a great painter by any stretch of the imagination. Admittedly, this is probably the best looking army I have ever painted. Um, so much so that people are like, wow, that's that's really intricate. That's really like, look, you got all the little things because it's I am trying to make this to be like my show centerpiece kind of army. Like this is this is the best painting it's going to do. But it did start off with a starting point of what someone else had done. Oh, uh, there we go. I've. I've shown the the current state it is in painting and hobby on the Discord. Uh, they're not finished yet, but um, I tagged you guys in there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, doing um, fake glazing with contrast paints, yeah. and then um, dusting dry brushes for the the blue on the heads. Um, oh, and they then, look. Uh, they look good. At, well, okay. I see. I think I see where your your complaints. The highlighting looks good though. Uh, no, and then, like I said, they're not finished, but they'll get there. I like, the yellow worked pretty well on um, on most of them. I like the spirits here. Yeah, the yellow's the hard one. Like yellows and and traditionally yellows and reds are like the really really hard ones to get down. I'm not. Really, I like painting red, um, which we'll get to, um, but. Blue, I always struggle with. I've never found a blue that I I like. Um, I think my Uriel Ventress that I painted a couple of years ago for March from McCrag, um, uh, he turned out pretty well, but I have no idea what I did for that now. I need to start writing down. I, I've got a bunch of notebooks that I don't write in. I have yet to find a Games Workshop white that I like. Like I'm quite honestly at the point that I'm ready to go to a different company. Yeah. 
Um, Every one of them is the the, the coverage okay. is terrible. Okay, it's white. It's really good. Yeah, I heard I heard they were good, and I, I might have to to pick something up from them. But like quite would... odd, of all the paint, like every other paint that they ever have, the coverage is beautiful. Two thin coats, everything lays down great. But for whatever reason, their whites are just atrocious. So part of a backlog of stuff uh, that I have is I've got my wave one of my Dun my personal Duncan Rhodes paints arrived. Um, oh, I was gonna kind of I was gonna say because those are I just saw that he came out with his own paint line. And I'm kind of curious to see yeah. how those how those lay down. Uh, I used them on the uh, the Shadow Collective. That was someone else's. Um, who, one of my friends is um, a, a high level painter. He's painted for um, like War Machine and Hard Property of Press. It does. It's done some Marvel Crisis Protocol um, studio figures, um, a couple of different bits and pieces like that. And he got sent um, a cop a set of them when they first came out. So he let me borrow them to do the Shadow Collective. Um, so I've used them and they're good. Um, I've got a set of those. I also have a set of um, Cuttlefish colors, which are not new, but they've been kind of rebranded and relaunched. Um, so I have those two things that I need to find projects for. Um, and then I have a lot of projects coincidentally <laughs> lined up as well. So, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be busy. Did you pick up Duncan Rhodes' paints locally there when you were in the UK, or did you order No, I, I did the, uh, the Wave 2s coming out, so I backed that on GameFind, I think, and added Wave 1 to my pledge kind of thing. So they shipped me Wave 1. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a Kickstarter-esque... So, so, again, I didn't make it to Gamma this year because of my surgery and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but last time, last year at Gamma, Asmodee are going to be distributing. That is still the plan as far as I'm aware. They're just trying to get um, quantities that they can actually start shipping wholesale kind of thing. So um, and then I believe Lion Rampant should be stocking it through Canada. So it should be available. So they're, they're shipping Duncan Rhodes paints through Asmodee. Yeah, Asmodee has got exclusive awesome. distribution. That's awesome. Good for him. Well, it, so um, it isn't actually Duncan's company. Um, it, he, they, it's his name on the bottle kind of thing. I'm not sure. I don't, it, want, it, I don't want to talk right, about it because I don't have all of the information. So, so currently I am drinking an Arnold Palmer um, beverage. I'm sure Arnold Palmer, who's been dead for, I don't know, 15 years, probably isn't getting residuals from this. But no, but, it, it, uh, Duncan was involved in the, um, the formula of the paints. And I know some of the colors are technically loss leaders for them uh, because he went crazy with the pigment paints and stuff by all accounts. Um, like, they should be more expensive. Some of the colors should be more expensive than the standard line, if you know what I mean. But yeah. it's it priced at these uh, this price. But it kind of bounces out across the range from what I yeah, gather. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, he was involved in, in that side of it. It's just, it isn't his company, as far as I understand. Um, I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, this isn't me news reporting. This is some guy talking yeah, about no, it. No, of course, of course. I mean, is... that's that's basically like the people that make beard oils 
their name is on the beard oil, but they're not the one who put, you know, all the chemicals together. Yeah, it's not there. Some other companies doing it. They're just, it's a paid sponsorship is really what it is. But he was way more involved with Transatlantic Games. That's an M company. There you go. And you put his name on it means that it's going to have more weight than whatever it that company is. You know. Perked my ears up when I saw that he uh, that his name was on a paint line. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we? So, um, yeah, I'm just on the website trying to look now. Uh, it doesn't matter. What I, yeah, but if you go to DuncanRoads.com, he has a bunch of the stuff on there for the paint line and everything. I believe the company is um, who, um, Transatlantic Games. So, yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch of those different ranges to try out. I came back uh, from the UK. Uh, obviously, I'd spent time in um, in Warhammer World with my friends playing Warhammer. We played two days of boarding action games. Um, was frustrating because I found out I got an email back from them after I was booking the tables that they don't actually have boarding action scenery at Warhammer at, World. At Warhammer World, really? No, the the event team has boarding action kill team boards, but that's separate to store. So I had to take my own boarding action terrain. Interesting. What remember I was saying I was really busy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I we got fully painted uh, terrain. Thanks, Mike. I I threw my friend some credit for the store, and um, he got me a bunch of uh, of a terrain built and painted in like three days. Um, That's impressive. He did screw me over. Not gonna lie. I, he had some. I know he had some built already that he glued together, and you're not supposed to glue them together because it's supposed to be modular, so you can pick so, them up and move them. Um, but it's not even that the the way it all locks in. You need to have different corner. Sometimes it's a corner, sometimes it's a straight, and you have to be able to swap the bits out. So with certain tables, we couldn't wouldn't have been able to build, but we kind of made it work. Um, we we played two different missions and kind of round robin them, and one of them we got to build perfectly. One of them we had to like this door isn't a door. So we put some like terrain in front of it, so you, it was obvious you couldn't go through it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll, it just means that I'll have to get an extra set again. Which I, I was looking at the the sentry box got more um gallo falls in the the, the squats against the beastmen. Um. So I know that's been hard to get. So I'm, I'm contemplating picking one of those up. But when we get to the stuff I actually have in the backlog now, you'll understand why I didn't. <laughs> so whilst at Warhammer World, they didn't really have any Eandon Elder stuff um that was like shiny and like Forge Worldy to inspire me. Um so I didn't buy any. Instead I bought um Sanguinius and um Ooh. and Raldoron and some Horus Heresy um Blood Angels um Terminators so and some gorgeous. and some shoulder pads. So when I got back, I got the um, the dark Her the Age of Darkness box because that has all of the Mark Six armor. So I've got my Beaky Horus Heresy Marines. Uh, which, so I'm gonna do a red paint job. Ed painting red. You see it all loops back. It does loop back. Look at that. Um, so I I'm gonna work on a Blood Angels army. I should I say it out loud? I don't know. 
depending oh, on. on uh, so there's a chance that if I find the time to do everything properly, that it might be an army that gets given away once it's finished. Ooh. There's a chance. I'm not promising anything yet, but chance. there's a chance. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't have space for everything. So I'm like, if I do it, play some games with it, make some content, and then give it away. I was but wondering, that... I was going to say, because Blood Angels, I was like, how do your Dark Angels feel about that? <laughs> well, I, I've got my Angels of Dark, Darkness Codex upstairs. They're in the same book. Yeah. And, you've, and you've got a my whole... An, my Angels of Death book. So I also brought back a bunch of my old uh, books that were still in Jill's mom and dad's house. So I have my second edition uh, codex, oh, which is Blood Angels and Dark Angels in the same book. The Angels oh, of Death codex. That's cool. I have my second edition Chaos Codex with Abaddon the Despoiler, Warmaster of Chaos on the front. Which was <laughs> my first ever Warhammer 40k codex. Oh, um, that's awesome. I have my uh, Epic Armageddon and Epic Armageddon Swordwind supplement books that I brought over. Um, so I got a bunch of those. It was pretty cool. We had to buy another suitcase just in case it's not clear. <laughs> Come back. Um, but yeah, that that was cool. Um, I, so I've got Heresy Era Blood Angels to do. I have um, what else? Um, I have um, Judgment Eternal Champions is a new new ish game that came out that I have to do, um, which. I have a de- have to do a demo set for. They also are the people who do the cuttlefish paint line, so that's interesting. Um, are you, you going to paint them in their paint line? Maybe I don't know. I, I've got no idea yet. I, I haven't because it's going to be a demo set. The paint line is a high end boutique paint line where uh... it's designed to do. Where it's very much a not a, this paint isn't for me. Oh but wow! I'm, gonna, I'm going to try. Well, as in, I, I'm going to use it, but it's not. If I were to design a paint line, I would not design this paint line because like, of how it, it's intended to be used, or so it's like very um, pastel colors and more natural. So if you imagine the European style of like Golden Demon winners yeah, from yeah. the mid '90s, 2000s, and how it, there's a distinct North American and a European, like the Italian paint jobs and stuff like that. And really smooth transitioning and very nice boy, like wet blending and all of that stuff. Yes. Then compare it to how I paint. Um, and it, it's not the same. That's a technique I've never been good at. I've tried it. I'm not good. I've d- I've done it. But again, and the last times I did it, I I don't put time into it because I'm constantly about getting projects done. But this year, I think I might go for less volume. and. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure there's a middle ground in there somewhere. I'm trying to figure out a way because I've got flames on those um, those tanks from the Sisters of Battle that I'm like, I, I sat down and watched a 20 minute video on someone doing flames with just contrast paints. And I'm like, ooh, and that really and it did the blending the way that I want it to do so that it looks like because I, I you've seen people do this before where they kind of just transition a color from red to orange to yellow to kind of white at the tip but you can quite clearly see the lines between the two like there's no blending between those colors there's just literally it's almost like hazard stripes 
kind of yep. going going down the sword or whatever they're trying to do. And I don't want it to look like that. But like I've seen some of the stuff that Gabriel did with like his Mortarian wings, for example, where it's all contrast paints, but it blends so lovely together. And I'm like, I, I'm going to have to give that a shot and see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so the good thing about doing it with contrasts and stuff like that is you kind of it naturally does eliminate some of those lines. Exactly. And one thing that I've found, you can overdo this, so don't just go ham. But um, if you do a slight black dry brush at, at the, the very end, t- very end, as it's like smoke coming <laughs> yeah. off. That was, that was the tip. That was the tip he gave too. It, it kind of just nullifies a bunch of those mistakes and kind of brings it down a little bit, so the effect kind of works. Uh, I have a Balrog to paint, so I'll be um, doing that as well. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm. Throat's getting dry. I've not podcasted for a while, you know. He's talking so much. Um, then what was the last thing I was going to cover? Oh, Shatterpoint came out. Oh, so that's I have, right. I, I did have see that. The, the Shatterpoint core set. I've got the uh, the Hello There box and the uh, Twice Pride box. So Obi-Wan and Dooku, I think those are the right names. Um, and then I have all of the, t- the scenery to do. Um, the demos, the, the core set and scenery is going to be done for the store to be like the demo set until we're done, and then it'll be mine. Um, so, and then the other stuff is like just stuff I bought. So I'm kind of back and forth on. I need to get the core set done so that I can demo it, but I also want them to look nice. So take your time, kind of thing. Yep, I get it. Yeah, it's again, it's another frustration thing. We'll see how that goes. I might see if I can get someone else to do the scenery and then I can spend more time on the models. So I think it's only, what, 16 models, maybe? Maul, Gar Saxon, two Super Commandos, Asajj, Kalani, and B1s. Then um, Ahsoka, Rex, two clones, Anakin. No, Anakin, Rex, two clones, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and some more Mandalorians. I did get the um, Ahsoka Tano Pana, um, Padawan promo as well, so I was happy with that. Is that, um, hard, to, is that hard to come by? or You had to pre-order. Um, ah, but, gotcha. So the, when stores pre-ordered, they got um, given the number they pre-ordered, I believe, or an amount, like a percentage, and then uh, based on that, you if you pre-order through the store, you should should get one, but I, I know that um, I have plans for um, the ones that we had extra. So again, <laughs> stay, stay tuned for maybe an Ahsoka Tano Padawan giveaway at some point. Look at all the stuff Chris has given away. <laughs> and that one's a definite. The um, the the Blood Angels Army, may, maybe not. Depends how much I like it once it's done. Yep, so I the, pro- get it. the problem is I don't really like the Sanguineous Sculpt. There's the very few one? the new uh, one the Forge World Sanguinius. Oh, the Sanguinius. Okay, yeah. This yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, because he's like mid-flight, but the I don't know. There's just something about it. I, I don't like and it's gonna be really hard to paint and I wanna look it up while we were talking about it. Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna go with the uh oh, what's it called? The spear. Oh of, yeah. Um Spear of of Traldus or something. I think, I think he starts with T. Um, yeah, he's got a spear or a sword. And I think this is like 
the angle look, looks better if he's got the spear, I think. But, so yeah. yeah, I agree. But yeah, I could see that being a challenge. Yeah, so that's going to be fun, fun, fun. Um, and I got Ralderon as well, so he he's the one I'm looking forward to. But I also got the Warhammer World exclusive Horus Heresy um, Legion Parator in Cataphracty armor. Ooh. And then immediately um, converted him with some Blood Angels bits and some Cataphracty weaponry. So I have a converted one. Um, so I'll probably do him up quite special as well. Um, but yeah, that that's about my hobbying. Um, Game-wise, we'll talk about it in the main topic. But obviously, I was playing with um, my Elder Wraith guard in boarding action, so very like narrow corridors, close range, and I have um, a unit of five with D cannons that have like short range, really high strength weaponry that just do massive armor save modifiers and a lot of damage. And then I have a unit of five with um, ghost axes and fields, which gives them an invulnerable save. And yeah. I feel like we didn't, we weren't good enough at the game to get the full experience. So I'm not saying that this is a, a really strong list, but it's a very punishing list if you play into it incorrectly. But I've won all of my games with it, and it's like feels bad man levels of Ooh. just the, the way everything came together. It was very much like, mm, okay, I don't know how much of this is actually me. Um, or is it just the list? So the toughness six, three wounds with a three up save, and the uh, combat unit has got a four up invulnerable because of the shields. Then they have the rave construct rules, so they get minus one to the damage of your weapon. So if you're shooting with a damage two weapon, it's a damage one weapon. If you're yes. shooting with a damage three, it goes into damage two. Yep. Trust me, I play against Gabe's Death Guard yeah. all the time. Yeah. Then they're Eandon. So if you're AP minus one or AP minus two, you reduce the AP by one as well. So AP minus one becomes AP dash. AP minus two becomes AP minus one. Mm -hmm. Then the trait you can give your Warlord for being Eandon is um, the... <laughs> uh, it's just silly. You, no, it's not even a trait. This is just spending a command point um, for them. You pick a Wraith Guard unit, or a Wraith unit, and it heals D3 wounds yeah. in your command phase. Unless there's a Spirit Seal within six of them, in which case it just regains three. Yeah, just, you know, just yeah. they, they basically never die, and they're imp almost impossible to wound to start off with. That's all. Yeah. So, like, it just... It was just one of those things where, like, okay, I'm going to shoot this this five man squad into that unit. Oh, right, I got a wound. Okay, well, I'm going to shoot him with this other unit. Oh, oh, and obviously, sorry, I forgot. I forgot the most important kicker. I'm playing Elder, so I have Strands of Fate. Yep. So I roll six dice, and then any sixes on those dice I can use as armor saves. Correct. Counting as a roll of a six. So you shoot me, and I go, well, I've already passed the save here, so I don't even need to roll the dice. <laughs> so when you're, like, my toughness six models, all of it combined. So, yeah, it was very much, uh, like, I ended up, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take my, my strands of fate 
oh, I'll take the charge bonus instead of the armor say oh, right yeah it was um it was rough so but, what you're saying is you have a tendency to make really unfun to play against lists is what I would keep hearing your orc list is unfun to play against your elder oh, list is unfun to play so, against. so I yes that's part of the main topic is definitely that trend um I, apparently I like eggs being in one basket because it's more efficient that way Sounds like a good transition. Do you want to go right into main topic then? Yeah, let's uh, let's go into main topic. Do you want to break just so I can get another drink? My yeah, bro, uh, yes. by all yep. means, please do. I feel bad for you. Sorry, I'm on yeah. mute because my cats are playing around me and the microphone's picking it up somehow. So if it makes you feel any better, I've not heard it, but I know. But I keep seeing my name light up and stuff. So gotcha. it's just like you know, yeah, I'll throw it. <laughs> yeah i have cats that play fetch oh that's cool yeah i have dogs that play half catch as in they want you to go throw the ball or the stick and they'll go get it but they won't bring it back yeah they'll bring it like halfway back yeah and gimli here he's learned that i won't go after it so he'll drop it three feet away from me but then i don't go get it so then he has to play with it and bring it closer to me. so they're just really noisy tonight usually they're not but yeah i was gonna say i don't think i've ever recalled having any mm-hmm. yeah how about that they did actually release it's the exact same document too yeah well so the interesting part is like so i got word ugh, monday that this document had leaked online so of course i went out and snagged it and by tuesday afternoon it was gone off the internet completely scrubbed mm-hmm. Well, I think that's why they released it the way that they did, and as early because I had. I think we always won too, to be honest. Was it? I'm. I'm I, in that I had camp heard. With you. I I actually had heard that it was supposed to go like week three of June. So that's that. That's the official release. So again, I don't know how much you put into rumors, um, for it, but there's a guy I list, I, I follow on YouTube who has been pretty spot on. I'd say he's probably in the you know low ninety percent on his accuracy level on releases. And the right before that document leaked, he had put out a video going the rumor was the rumor that he had heard was that they were going to release the rules um, the week of June 2nd, which obviously they released it today. So that's, you know, June 3rd um, and that bit by bit, they were going to release the data cards for everything that's in the Leviathan box set for the Tyranids. They're going to release the data cards for everything that's in the Leviathan box set for the Space Marines. Then they were going to do the full data sets for Tyranids and Space Marines. And then they were just going to like a couple of days. You're going to, okay, now you're going to get uh, a couple of Space Marine chapters. Now, like, like all the data cards. And they were going to just kind of build this up all the way up until the 20th. And they were going to save for the last day for the 20th, the points. So you'll have everything in hand. You'll have your data cards for the armies you want to play. You'll have the rules. You'll know how everything works. But the one thing you won't know is points until the day that the the box sets are released to the stores. So does that mean they're not going to do codexes or are they still going to do codexes? They're still going to do codexes. But because so here, hang on. I'll I'll see if I can reach and grab one real quick. I mean, you you could pause and then just record a heresy cast of what what the temp edition thing is i could you're right i could um in short 
whenever they switched over from seventh edition and eighth edition, the core rules fundamentally changed so much that you couldn't use anything from seventh edition in before. Traditionally, if you buy a codex, that's the most valid codex, even if an edition changes until your next codex releases. So, for example, the poor Imperial Guard players out there were still playing with their eighth edition Imperial Guard codex right up until two months before tenth edition was announced. Um, this is another one of those changes that the game is fundamentally changing so much that they can't grandfather in all those codices. So they're just giving a rules dump for everyone so that everyone can play 10th edition on an even playing field before codexes start to release. Um, in the last time when they went from 7th to 8th, they sold these index books, which are basically all the basic rules you need to play your army in a book. So they had an Imperium uh, book one and two that covered all the Imperium armies. There was a Xenos book one and two. I forget there was a third book that was out there. But long story short, it was a quick and easy way to be able to get you up to the current edition. And then they released codexes after the fact. So there's a lot of people that seems like, oh, there's some confusion as to whether or not the, the data cards are going to be free to download after the codexes releases. I don't believe they will be. I think this is just... This is the second edition box sets that they put out for X-Wing whenever they just brought everything kind of over and then slowly but surely kind of like rotated new stuff in. It's going to be very similar in the fact that a Space Ring Codex is going to come out and that's going to invalidate the, the data cards going to be available online. A Tyranny is going to be one. The only problem that I have with that fundamentally is that about 18 months from now, half of the armies in 10th edition are going to have a codex and it's going to be better than the other half of the armies who don't have a codex and are still playing off the free download data cards. There's going to be a, a clear disparaging between the haves and the have nots. Now they're doing a really good job of keeping things balanced, but I don't know how you're going to be able to give a full treatment unless they decide to start updating those data cards over that over the time frame but like the data card sets only get one de detachment codexes can get three to five um they get different things that you can add to your characters they get a bunch of different like there's just stuff that comes in a codex so you're, you're playing with 70 percent of the rules from your army on day one and then later down the line you're going to get an updated 30 the additional 30 percent that goes with it so codexes aren't going anywhere unfortunately, and they're not going to be free to download once the codex is out. Gotcha. All better, Marcus? Yeah. yeah. All right. Podcast gold. You could have, it was an episode, like a 20-minute heresy cast you could have done right there. I'm more than willing to go back over it at some point in time. I'm, like, super excited for death. Gabriel, more importantly, he like the more he keeps seeing about 10th, he's like, I'm just going to love this edition so much. Because everything you need to know about a unit and anything that they can do is going to be on the card. Gone are the days of, oh, there's a stratagem for this. It's in my deck. I think I can find it. Nope, I can't find it. I can't find it in the book. I guess I'll forget. Every single rule and every single thing that a single unit can do will be printed on the card. So you can quite literally just pick it up on the table and go, this is what they can do. That's it. And I think that is, that is a gigantic step in trying to eliminate some of the rules bloat that we have had in previous editions of the game. Anyway. Sorry to trample yeah. on, on your main topic. We haven't started it yet, so we're good. No worries. Okay. Out of me. So, yeah, for the main topic, it kind of leads back into it, where we were saying about my um, my habit of accidentally. <laughs> and it's all about, uh, it's that social contract thing again that we've spoken about multiple times of if you want to have a hardcore competitive game, they're, they're not unfunless. 
or if you talk about it in advance, uh, you know, the, the, um, the arms race is okay in your gaming group. Like, aha, I went out and bought four last cannons, so your great unqueen one now isn't as terrifying. And I'm like, well, haha, I went and bought four different cheaper heralds, so I don't have one big target anymore. And haha, I switched to heavy butters. And if that's the kind of, yep. and that, that there is a joy to be had in that style of gaming unto itself. Spoiler, it's pretty expensive. It get, like <laughs> the person with the most money generally wins those games. It sure does. But like, as long as it's under control and everyone is opted into that style. It can be fun. So we have at our store, we have that guy. We have, I, I don't, I'm not going to call him out. I'm going to call him Steve. We have a Steve. I don't want to call him out by name because he's not necessarily socially. Um, he's not in the social media sphere. He like definitely has this whole thing where he doesn't like to be on Discord, doesn't like to be on Facebook, doesn't like to, you know, but I don't want to call him out specifically. So Steve, um, in this case, is that guy. Steve only ever plays hardcore balls to the wall, 40K all the time. If you want to test yourself and test your metal about a, against a good player, Steve's the guy to do that against. Our store, however, is very skewed in the opposite direction of we have a lot of crusade players, a lot of people that are there to play the game for fun. A lot of the guys are there to play the narrative side of it. And Steve found himself in a position where nobody wanted to play with Steve because they'd want to be playing crusade games that are supposed to be narrative and fun. And he just comes in and just trounces everyone and doesn't care. Um, so Steve ended up having to make a shift in his gameplay where he's playing a crusade list. And even in the crusade list, he's still kind of playing a little bit more. What's the most optimal way to kind of play this. Um, I'm not going to lie. I used to be Steve too. I used to be that guy. I used to be the one that this is the most current, you know, top end medalist. And I want to test it out and try it out. I'm not going to big tournaments. I'm going to like little local RTTs and stuff at best. And I found myself in a position where nobody wanted to play against those lists. Oh, this is going back like sixth edition. Oh, you're playing Taldar. You're playing the Tal Eldar list. Okay. That, I don't want to play that list. So do you have anything else? Well, no, this is what I brought all right, I'll go play with so-and-so instead. Like I think I, I think in everything, there's always that win-at-all-cost kind of player. You know, sure. Who, maybe it's a validation thing, you know, where... I mean, I'm going to jump in on two points there, Sean. I'll let you um, come back and continue your thought in a second. Uh, the the win-at-all-cost thing is a separate conversation, which I think we've done before and we will definitely do again. But this isn't really about the winning at all costs as much as it is um, like the the this thing that I have is geared to play in this kind of way, and it is a, a strong list. Like you can not care about winning with a strong list. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that kind of thing. But and that that's kind of where the the focus yeah. will be today but yeah anyway continue just i don't want you to go down too far into that rabbit no, hole because no, no, it, no. it does kind of trample into a different area what what i was gonna say is that you know you always have those players that are the win at all cost type player and it's it's it takes a lot like you know we always talk about the social contract you know where 
players, I think, have to learn, you know, to reel that back in over time. Or like Ed was saying, Steve doesn't have anybody playing with them because, you know, that's not a fun way to play. And it's it's a fun way to play for some people. Like, I I don't want to be like the fun police and be like the way you play the game isn't fun. It's fun for Steve. Steve enjoys that. That, That's how he derives enjoyment from the game is the tactical and the strategy. So I never want to say that he's playing the game necessarily wrong. What I would say, though, is that given the environment that we have at our local game store, not a lot of other people share Steve's. yeah, approach to the game is probably the easiest way. And, and that's so, that's the that's the retraining. You know, people. Yes. You know, I've played with a lot of people that don't understand that. Like, I'm a casual gamer. Like, I'm not out there to try to win at all costs. Now, in my TO days, I was a win at all cost TO because I didn't like we talked about earlier. I don't want to be there till three o'clock in the morning running a tournament. You know, but like I can only speak to myself. Like when I play games, I don't like I'm not always looking like good example is terraforming Mars or any kind of game that engine builds, you know, where you have A, B and C cause D, E and F to become better or whatever, you know, or or where you gain the max advantage and stuff. I don't really ever I don't play games that way anymore where I care about my outcome you know it's like i'm there to socialize and everybody to have fun and that's where i think gaming needs to be i've played with the i've played with people who play everybody's game for them literally Mm, yeah i know that way i know that guy and that you know that that always drove me nuts because you know i'm i you know i'm playing my game the way that i play it because i'm enjoying that you know, I'm enjoying it because I don't want to be, you know, I can be overly oppressive if I want to be, or I can just make sure everybody has fun. And that's, that's where I sit with gaming today is just, I want to make sure that everybody that's there has fun. And, but I see it all the time where people just have to win it all. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. Well, and again, I'm not entirely, I, I want to make sure that I'm going on the, the same, I want to make sure that we're going down the, the, the trip that, that Chris is hoping to take us down. I think that kind of comes down to the community and the community of people, because I, I, we've talked about this on, on different games and different things. Like you don't want to soak a whole bunch of money into a game and not have anybody to play with. That's where it kind of comes in. So sometimes there needs to be a little soul searching, a little looking at the man in the mirror kind of going thing. Like if I want to, like, I like hanging out with these folks. They're, they're all my friends, but if nobody wants to play a game with me, maybe I'm the issue. Maybe there's something that I can do better to not necessarily take the most optimal list. Maybe not take the most optimal strategies, not because, you know, j- just to kind of, play to your audience kind of thing. Cause ultimately in the end, especially like on your average for us, it's Tuesday nights. I don't know what everyone else's nights for us. It's Tuesday nights um, on your average run of the mill Tuesday night. Nobody up there is playing a GT. Nobody up there is planning on going to a GT. They're just there to roll dice with their cool plastic spacemen and have some laughs and have some fun. And sometimes it takes a little bit of self-governance to recognize that and go, huh, I need to tone the volume down. A good uh, a good kind of reframing might be looking at, obviously, my trip back into playing 40k, and 
as uh, Ed was pointing out, like Crusade is a very different way of playing, and that's how I got back into playing 40k 9th edition. A bunch of my friends were playing Crusade on Saturdays, and I wanted to play games with my friends, and I'm like, you know what, I can probably make this work. I'd spent a lot of time not wanting to do 40k games because of time investment and all of that kind of stuff. But it was a low enough points level and everything. I figured I could make it all work. And I had the demon army that I had to kind of get finished. And it just needed rebasing. And, it, you know, it, it had been hanging over me for a long time. So it was a good excuse. All the stars aligned, let's say. And I wanted to paint a great, a new plastic great and clean one. It was a huge, lovely model compared to my tiny little resin one. So obviously I got one and painted it and did all the things and spent a bunch of time doing like, a swampy water effect on his base and how it's like the, the um, skulls coming through making a big splash in there and I, it was a really cool project to do so I wanted to use it and I yeah, played you put a lot of work into it you want to show yeah. it off a little I totally get that game plays yeah. his all the time he loves yeah. it yeah Ad- and Adepticon's fault <laughs> yeah and it's one of those things like at those points uh, those power levels it's very skewing it's not to say that it's good or bad it just felt like it, i didn't feel like i was engaging in a game and a contest it was i put the stuff down and then the game proceeds down the path it was going to because it's, it becomes a binary win condition can you deal with a great and queen one yes no and if the answer that question is no <laughs> yeah and like there can be joy and enjoyment found in trying to solve those puzzles and working around it. But for the most part, I wasn't interested in forcing that issue of like, well, part of me, a large part of me wants to say, well, I, I can think of ways to deal with it. Get good. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? But yep. Yep, I, I Again, know that feeling. The, the, the time investments and the, the financial investments into getting an arm that you want to play. I had more models, and it was easy enough for me to change what I wanted to do to, like, okay, so this is, this is winning, and I don't feel like it's me doing the winning. So I'll take that out. I'll change it. Does this feel like more of a challenge now? And having that kind of gaming. And then the transition to playing the orcs instead because i was like well orcs are terrible orcs are and orcs are never good and i had that beast snagger box from the release and i was like, okay what do i need to get to make it into a list so i w- looked and i got the beast boss on squigger because it fits with the theme and then i got my codex out and made the list and then i went and played and i was like oh i'm i'm so smart like this is like really good and then i of course it is and it's not like when I was a lad, you know, when I, I when I <laughs> was doing, my, literally when I was on my paper round in would have been mid nineties, thinking about like Warhammer, planning like the internet, there wasn't the repository of information and information sharing, there wasn't net listing. So I, I felt like if I made a list that just won, I felt like I'd done that. But now if we're playing X-Wing and like if Ed goes online, gets his uh the list that someone won worlds with or whatever, like the the Paul Heaver um yep. the stress hog poll list and 
like that Paul worked out a very specific way of playing and a bunch of people adopted. So I I don't know how much how much is me and how much is the list anymore. And I, it happened to be that the list that I made that I thought was good is obviously good. And if it, if I went and researched it, it would be along those lines. Oh, there's tweaks and stuff you can make, but again, the level of the group that I'm playing in, it's just slightly above, it's slightly over optimized for that environment. But and then I, I think gone. Chris well, I, I have a good example because I get exactly what you're talking about where so I still play Magic the Gathering Arena. I don't play face to face. I don't play and I really only play standard. So it's just whatever whatever's in standard and stuff. And what I end up doing, like I'll see a card. So I'll I'll be playing against somebody with whatever deck I'm playing that day. And I'll see a card and you know, and it's an interesting card, you know. So I'll take that card, one card that I see, and then I'll build lists off of that card, you know, and what I find is interesting for me is that that self-centering piece you're talking about, you know, that, that, you know, kind of, you know, kind of bringing everything back to what's enjoyable for everybody is by the end of it, that card isn't even in my deck anymore, (laughs) but I've built a very competitive deck because you use a concept, that concept ebbs and flows until you, you find what hits very well, you know, and then, you know, you've, you've taken probably that concept of, you know, min maxing and you've pulled it back into that self-control piece again, you know, where, where you're controlling how you play so that, you know, like discard decks in magic, those are decks that piss people off greatly because, you know, you're forcing them to discard their whole hand to hopefully by turn three or four. And it's very frustrating for people because they don't get to play the game. You're the only one playing the game. And I've done that a couple times where I started started out where I have discard decks. And actually, a lot of my decks start as discard decks because they're great ways of testing other things that you you want to do. You know, it's kind of a control piece. But then by the end of it, you know, you're like, well, that, no opponent against me is having fun. But this is a pretty cool concept that doesn't have all that, you know, the the crap in it that that makes it so it's not fun for other people. It was one of um, it was one of my favorite styles of decks to play back in the day. Whenever you know things went into the graveyard, and they basically stayed there. Yep. Now there's so many things that trigger off of being in the graveyard, or once they're discarded, they trigger this effect. And like, I agree with you 100 percent though. That was like my, that was my first competitive Magic deck was when Fallen Empires came out and the Hymn to Torak was at, out. And then all of a sudden you had a two-cast ca- two sorcery that was discarding cards out of their hand. You had things like Mind Twists. You had things like Hypnotic Specters that if they hit your opponent, because it's you could, you know, turn one Dark Ritual Hypnotic Specter, turn two, hit them with Hypnotic Specter, and then Hymn to Torak, and then all of a sudden their hand's gone. And then you've got the Rack in play. Oh, God, that was, that was like the premise behind my very first deck. And I learned very, very quickly how unhappy people were to play that deck. <laughs> It's it's like that land destruction. Oh yeah, you wall. toss a couple of sinkholes and ice quakes in there too. You just you know just you know to be a complete and utter asshole. Yeah, you know and that's that's the thing for me is that I'd rather have it be fun for everybody. And, and literally, Magic the Gathering Arena is the only competitive thing that I do now. And it's not competitive because I'm not on the pro tour or anything like that. 
I'm just trying to hit platinum, which I've only done once ever, you know, but that's kind of the, the thing for me is just, you know, my self-balancing in this is just not being a dick, you know, and not trying to be a dick. And if I see somebody else not having fun, then, you know, I'm going to not play that deck against them. You know, it's, it's just kind of how I think it's interesting because I was just looking at Facebook and this is the difference. This is, this is the difference. What, three years, four years of X-Wing, the change in X-Wing and everything else is the store championship here in Omaha that was at the game shop in Omaha was 13 players. Really? Now, I can't remember a time that I was involved with it when it was under 20 unless we maxed maxed it for a reason. You know, there, there was never a time I've seen a a game where a game of X-Wing or a tournament of X-Wing that had prizes like that on the line where it did, you know, you weren't packing the house basically, you know, but 13 player, I mean, it's still good, but it's just different to see that. And I do think that's a change in how X-Wing is today, you know, compared to what it was, you know, in the heyday anyway, you know, up to 20, 18, 19, whenever yeah. everything changed over. I think just... there's a conversation to be had about what X-Wing's heyday is and was. But um, on that point, I, I don't think any game is drawing the numbers post-COVID. But they, they, you know what I mean? I think there's been a big shift in uh, a lot of those kind of things and stores have brought stuff in a different way. Companies yeah. do OP differently. Um, so I think there's a lot to unpack in that statement. But um, like the, the the drive to to win events and star championships and different things, like that's a time to 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 not rein yourself in, to not self regulate. I don't think I would never. We've had the conversation in the past about like. Would you do X, Y, and Z if if this happened at, at the final table at Worlds or whatever? Like, would mm. you had to for, let him redo the dial or you know all of that kind of right, stuff? Right, right, right. And I think once you're actually playing in that competitive setting, then the gloves should be off. Like, it doesn't matter if that's sure. not how I play or not. What what I would do is irrelevant to what I think people should do. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. but like this is more. I suppose X Wing is probably a. Is it a bad game to have a thing because like to have a conversation about because I, I there is an OP scene and there is that like are you playing for an event and it does come back to that social contract and making sure you're talking to your opponents before the game like mm-hmm. I want to test this list out to see if it's any and like I played a game of X Wing last night I. I got back from um, the UK, uh, threw a list together with the new points um, and had it in the store with me. And my opponent was like, do you want to play against something stupid, something competitive, something in between? I'm like, well, yeah, go into a tournament in a week's time. Do you want to just play something? I'll try and give you the best game. I don't know if my, I don't know where my list stands yet. I've not played it. I've not put too much thought into it. It's got the two ships that I wanted to use, and then what I could build around it. Yeah, I've done that too. Like I, I started carrying 
competitive lists and here's fun stuff I just want to try lists. Yeah. And asking my opponent, do you want something that's more competitive or do you just want to roll dice and have fun? Because I've got a whole bunch of stuff of models I've not even tried using and I want to toss them in. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to approach those kind of pickup game situations. But I think the self-regulation thing comes more from uh, familiar familiarity. I can, that's a word I struggle with, apparently. Familiarity? Is that better? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's good. Um, like, it it's, might, might not be a group. Like, for me, in the 40k, I think it was a group of my friends who I wanted to, like, me being able to beat them at 40k has no bearing on my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's irrelevant. The results of the games are literally irrelevant to me. Right. I don't. I couldn't tell you my win loss records because I just don't care. I my goal was to play forty k with them. The the goal was achieved regardless of the result. Whereas in for X Wing for certain lists, I I don't necessarily keep my win loss records, but I can I know if a list is doing well or not, and like the losses will stand out, and I'll analyze them and think about what I could have done differently. And you know, there's two different things going on in those ex- in those examples. I uh, so I I also think it depends who you're playing against, and and I go back. You know, for me, it's years ago now. It's not just a couple; it's five or six. Where we had players in our league where they were hyper competitive players, but they were not good players. So they, yeah. Could, yeah. you know, you have those people that build lists and they have strategies with their lists, but then they're just not good lists. But- Are you ready, Sean? I've got, I've got, I'm going to drop a bombshell and roll it back to our earlier topic. So you were saying Chad was just going to charge up the middle with Khan and some berserkers, <laughs> right? Ed? Yep. Like, yeah. How did that? How did that go? Mm-hmm. Uh, he charged right into two retributor squads uh, that basically blew up his tanks. And then Repentia came in and cleaned up all the gooey bits on the insides. And right. by so by, it, the, by the end of turn one, he had lost a third of his army. Like the entire middle was mine at that point. See, but but so so getting back to my point here, real quick. So you have a player that plays that way, we'll call it. And so you have two choices. You can either annihilate him like you did, or you could let the game be a game, at least to them, you know? Sure. And that's kind of what, like, that's what what Chad wants to do. He wants to get his berserkers in hand-to-hand combat. He wants to get Karn in your face, ripping bits and arms and legs off. That's what's fun to him. The fundamental problem that I've always had is he just goes about it in the most basic of way. Like, if he had gone down the side and kind of got hid his um rhinos away from my shots and then on the next turn unloaded all those berserkers he could have done all the damage that he wanted to do but not chad headlong charge right into combat so i i have a very loaded question for you because i know i know what the answer to this question is but i'm going to ask it so let's say next time you've played chad a couple of times you can you're just beating him because he keeps doing the same thing and then you go, okay, I'll, I'll play my my NID list, which is a little bit lower down the power curve anyway, and it's designed at a closer range, firepower, with a little bit of combat. 
knowing full well that they're not going to kill the tank, so the Betrayer and the Berserker are going to make combat, and they're going to be better in the combat than you. How many times do you play that game before Chad turns down his list? Oh, Chad does not. Chad will not turn down that list at all. Weird. At all. But you are correct in the fact that, like, so we're doing a rotation with all the new players. The next time that I play him, I have every full intention of bringing a different list that is intentionally toned down to basically feed him a game. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's sometimes the... what you have to do. <laughs> I know. Yeah, see, yes, in, in, in yes. Your dynamic, have... your dynamic is different. You guys have been friends since you were young. Mm-hmm. My point in it is that these are people in the league that you want to have come back, you know. Right. And right. if they get their heads kicked in every week because they think they're coming in with quality, and really what they're coming in is with well, not so quality, as we'll put it mildly. And they're, th- they're throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. No, these are people who think that what they have built is like the ultimate build. Well, there's that in the too. game, and you know, and it's a lot of it's because they're not connected to the X Wing community the way that you know most of the other players are in the league are connected. But we had we had a player that was like that, you know, and we 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 had to I I had to figure out how to make it because he's also one of those players who would get really mad when things didn't happen right either. And it's not, yeah. it's because, but it's because he over sensationalized his, his own list. And then when the things that he was trying were basically, you know, we'll call it anti-meta or not anti-meta. It like fed into the fodder of the meta, you know, because they're not understanding what a meta is so that they're bringing these lists. So what I would do is I would build a list that looked really high quality to go against this guy. And then it would end up being where either I would barely beat him because he would do the dumbest things to lose games, where he'd be in the greatest advantageous positions to, to, to win. And then he would do something that made no sense in the world to what the game was on the table. And then you ended up, winning no matter what because he like handed you the game and yeah, it's like you're you're literally trying to lose the game and it's you not that can't. you're trying to lose the game what you're trying to do is play the game so that his list is is more competitive than what it really is. has an opportunity to shine <clears throat> there you go you know and <clears throat> it's so funny because he he just he was a player and and as as the to as the as the league organizer because he was never a person who went and played. He only played in one tournament. So he, he worked, he, his job didn't, he worked on the weekend. So he couldn't, couldn't play in tournaments, but he played in one and he started out two and oh, but I think he was seated against two, you know, players that his list that he brought could beat, And then he ended up going two and four or, or oh, and four after that, because yep. he started running into real lists that were, just devastating to what he's bringing and you know as a as an organizer i always had to figure out a way to weigh that because you have players that don't you have people that play games that don't understand the game that they're playing yep yep i i agree with that statement or they have a play style yeah like that like, doesn't like agree. my dear buddy chad has a play yeah. style 
but to keep them keep them coming to keep them wanting to be there you know you you have to find ways and and it, it you know it's centering your own game it's making your own game different you know playing differently so that people have a little bit of success you know well so the other reverse scenario to that is the player that goes out and builds the meta list he goes online does his his or her research says these are the most best key units in this game for this force that's what i'm going to go buy that's what i'm going to build but they don't have the skill to back it up it's like one of those things like i've I've always genuinely believed on an even playing field the list can't save you it's always in my opinion it has always come down to skill in certain areas sure certain lists are better than other lists and the mid to low skill level players they're going to get wiped out by a good list simply by whatever you put on the table is going to beat them simply because they don't have the the ability to beat that list with their skill level and what they brought to the table good players could beat a great list in the hands of a less than optimal skill level player. Just bringing a good list doesn't make it good. So you kind of have that reverse situation of the person's like, well, this list just won XYZ tournament and it just, it just sucks. Well, no, the list itself doesn't suck. You had this unit out of position. You had that unit out of position. You never went after the objectives. You solely wanted like the list that you brought doesn't even match the play, the way that you tried to play that list. Like that list just doesn't match your play style. Like all kinds of things that kind of go into that. Yeah. I, I, I fully get that. You know, for me, it's like when I would play in tournaments, I would have what I would call, I, I was a great flyer then I would have bad luck with dice. You know, you needed three, you got two, you know, that type of thing. And except for, and I will say this, except for when I played Richard Sue, my dice were on fire. And when I played Chris, my dice were on fire, you know, because I was always the one who complained about dice. And then I just remember Richard, you know, saying, you know, how can you complain about your dice? You know, they were, you know, on fire. And then against Chris, I can't remember you were playing a uh, what's the the Harrison Dula ship? What's that ship called? Of, the v- uh, VC one hundred. Yeah. Is that the? And then we played, and I just rolled them off the board, you know. And it's just like you know the, these aren't typical things. It's I still remember Worlds twenty thirteen. How frustrated I got because I was running Rebel Convoy, and I was up against a B wing list that that list should have just tortured. You know, and it didn't. It should, it should have thrown down so many dice that those B-Wings were off the board. I agree. Yeah. Well, and the control, you know, because yep. you have two, two Y-Wings with ion turrets, and there's nothing that B-Wings could do to stop that. And I couldn't even ion a damn B-Wing, you know. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know. So what I learned from that was I just want to have fun, you know, playing games. And... And then I got to the point where I built lists that were easier, easier lists to remember all the triggers. You know, I used to talk about that. You know, you build a list that either you, you know, the auto cannon, uh, what is it auto, <laughs> auto cannon B wing list that I, you know, played for a while there. Not auto cannon. What was the one that allowed you to automatically get two hits no matter what? That auto cannon. It was auto cannon. So you know, you have four B wings with auto cannons you should always get two hits, you know, (laughs) but it's getting those two hits through that, you know, was the hard part, you know, 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I just made my game so that it, I could play, you know, I could play the game the way that I could play it and not worry about what other people are doing, you know, not worrying about the meta or anything like that. And <clears throat> it's just, I think it's hard to balance sometimes, you know, cause if you talk about board games or role-playing games or things like that, you have the Monty Hall syndrome, you know, you have the, you know, you have the Kingmaker syndrome, you have all those different syndromes in games like that, where, you know, someone's going to lose, so they're going to make sure that the person they want to win, win, you know, it's, there's so many conversations off this topic, you know, but being a center topic about being a, you know, a player who's playing, I don't know, just, you know, that I call it center, you know, when you're just playing to be centered in a game, I really think that, you know, you just have to figure it out, you know, how you, how you're going to do it, you know, each individual. Yeah. Like for me, I, I mean, the, the, there's examples of like games we've played at on stream and stuff like that, where we're going through like 2.0 X-Wing and the changes yep. to 2.5 doing all that stuff. And like, I'm relatively sure you knew I wasn't going to just come in and steamroll everything about your game because my goal isn't to see, I, I don't need an extra W in the, you know, an extra one in the W column. <laughs> I wanted yep. to play a game with Ed. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's how you frame that. And it's not, again, there's nothing wrong with being a competitive player, but you have to acknowledge what do you gain from the win compared to having an enjoyable time. Exactly. And Good old I lesson. find... Good old lesson to be learned is that you never really learn much of anything from a win. It's always the losses that you learn something from. Yeah, and like I find that I'm generally in a position that it's easier for me to change what I'm doing than hope that the other people change. Yeah, you know? I agree with that. Except for when he brings his force list. <laughs> uh, like the there is an element of um, what. Uh, I'm not going to say showmanship, but that kind right, of thing. Right, right. It's. I, I think that's the. You know, and you build. You build something to show that you're a smart list builder. It's not even a smart. Like that. I think the point of that was more like fly all I fours and do it this way. And you know what I mean. There's a bunch of different yep. ways and things about that. Um, but yeah, like generally, if you're having that feeling that it's this is talking about it from a perspective of being the person who is I, I i'm hesitant to use the word better but you know feels if you feel like the games are getting easy you there's things you can do and if you there's a difference to me between in the game deliberately making bad choices compared to like okay. Um, one one thing that I do sometimes when I'm playing X-Wing is I want to make sure I use every maneuver. So I, I, I have all of my my maneuvers in my tray. I want to have got each, each of those templates out of my tray at least once in a game. I can see that. I used, like, to, I used to always point at the idea, like, at one point in time, I'm going to pull a quote-unquote crazy Ivan where I pull a maneuver that isn't the most optimal, isn't, the, like, completely throws the game off because the ship goes in a direction like, wait, what, why did he do that? Just for uh, that just for that reason, just, like, I'm doing something crazy in this one just to see what happens, see how it comes out. 
it's not necessarily just like it's a mini game to play with myself. Sure, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I want every maneuver, and like I won't always accomplish it. It's not something that I'll I'll force necessarily. But it's just I'm, like 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 mini challenges for yourself. Yeah, um, it adds a level of like accomplishment to the game that is unrelated to winning or losing the game that keeps the game fun and engaging for me regardless of the result of the game. But my game last night, um, I think I lost when we finished the game, but we didn't set a timer. And it I was like a couple of points up for the majority of it. And it, it didn't I hadn't it didn't feel fun for whatever reason, with it being as I was tired or like there were some extremes at the start. I think I lost I lost the shit to a hit and a crit um right at the start. And it, you know what I mean? It was it felt very swingy and it just wasn't as enjoyable. And like I I felt like everything was everything was against me. I was like, oh my dice were you know, all of all of the usual crap. Um but I hadn't in my mind framed any of the stuff that I'd normally do. Of like, oh, I'm using the um, the gunship, so I I like to mess around with how they move around, like doing the side slip kind of stuff with them, where they get to do funky maneuvers and fly and feel different. And I always like having that kind of ship in my list, that I can just enjoy moving around the table, so that it doesn't matter how the game's going, I have something else to focus on. And I don't think I would have enjoyed the game anymore had we set a timer. And I won because it just didn't feel, and it wasn't Will's fault. It wasn't anything he was doing or anything like that. It wasn't his list. I just, I just didn't have that frame. I was just not going to have fun in the game. I don't know. It was weird. And I think part of it is I, I don't, I've not had enough time recently to sit and go through lists and like evaluate where everything's landed. So I don't know if that's a good list or not. So I don't know where I should be framing my expectations. So everything about that situation just felt weird and strange. And, you know, I, I hadn't kind of put that in place for how I wanted it to go so I could have a point of reference for it. It was just a game that went really weird and was terrible. Conversely, after that, I played a game of Lord of Rings against Greg. Um, he's... Uh, bought some uh, some elves and I'm still using the same Mario Goblin list that I had painted. It's in the cabinet at the store now, so it was just easy for me to grab that play. And it's very, uh, we've got very similar lists. He's got six archers, I've got six archers. He's got elven archers, one of whom is Haldir. I've got Mario Goblin archers. Uh, he's at like 17 models, I'm at 28, but I lose like six of them before the fight starts yes um and at the first round of engagement he just got a six on the fight so the way a lot of rings works is it's a straight roll off between my models fighting your model in a single combat the highest result on the dice wins the fight and then you get to try and wound them if the dice are tied you look at the respective fight values his fight values are six my fight values are two because I'm a Mario Goblin. So he rolled sixes four times out of like six for the fights. 
which meant it was impossible for me to win the fight. Uh, well, doesn't matter. Not much you can do. It, yeah, and like it went through. He he won the fights. He killed the models as well. Like, he rolled high enough to kill through my defense, and it was like, well, the game's probably over at this point now because I've now I'm now on even numbers with the goblins, uh, right, goblins against elves, and that right, the game's done. But the the it's over as a a um, competition as I don't know. I can't think of a term now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It, like, yeah, we played it all out and played a full game and went through a bunch of like learning things for Greg, and it was a good, enjoyable game. And like, I got steamrolled more in that game than I did in the game of X Wing, where I was in a really good chance of winning it. And again, if we'd have timed it, I probably do win. But I enjoyed getting steamrolled in that game more than I did playing the game, a really, really close game of X Wing. You know that that all the adage of I would rather um, lose a close game than win a uh, win a, a, uh, a blowout. Yeah. yeah, which is a lie. We all know you always <laughs> want to win the blowout. Don't lie. Um, but yeah, generally a close game feels good. But because I'd framed the game against Greg in that I knew he's playing elves, and I knew that my list was the list I'd made to play against hobbits that I painted the. It was probably going to go bad because our lists are the same. He's got um, shield up and warriors to find, stand in front of his spears, then guys with spears, but the elves end up with a pike rule so they can go three ranks deep so he can apply more pressure on a smaller frontage. His archers are better. Uh, I've got a troll, but my troll's not going to get there because you shoot the troll, and once the troll's dead, I don't have a troll anymore. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the perfect matchup of like mirrored armies doesn't work when what in that you know in that sense so i'd kind of know i knew that it was going to be a really weird game and that depending on what the mission was i probably wasn't going to win but i could go through with greg and show him a bunch of rules interactions and things like that and it's not great again it's not greg's fault he made a list that he wanted to play he's got how deer in it you know he's got the he, he always likes being shooty elves <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean it, it, it's not his fault that my army's terrible but I know that if I only ever play that Greg will change his army because he won't want to he's not going to enjoy that because Greg likes the challenge so he'll bring down his army or make suggestions on my army and we'll have that back and forth and I, ultimately I'm playing Mario Goblins because they are an easy army to teach people to play with. Right? It, it was a nice thing, a, a nice army that no one else was currently playing in the group that I'm going to be playing in. So that's why I picked them. The Eandon I picked because I wanted to do this army for a long time. I talk about it on the Heresy Cast episode, which has been out. Oh, um, like Dave sold me the Eandon book when it was like a limited edition book that came out. 10 years ago now I've been wanting to do the army for that long the fact that in that game mode at that points level it's kind of skewed so I've built 20 guardians and I, I can drop a unit and put the guardians in and maybe that changes it all up it, it's identifying one if you're the player who needs to change or like discussing it with your opponents on like what's wrong where things are going wrong 
if you're the one who's getting steamrolled, identifying if there's something you can actually do. And maybe this is a topic we could do at some point, or maybe it might be better splitting well, off into individual shows. Well, but, I've, got um, a, I've got a quick follow-up question for you on that. Because yeah. I, I, I'm like you in the fact that I feel that if someone I'm playing, and I'm not, I hate picking on Chad in this particular scenario, this, this would happen for anyone. Someone that you're playing against is, how do I word this kindly? Isn't quite picking up the game that you're playing as well. They're not necessarily, like they understand the basic rules, but they're not understanding the nuances of how to win a game. Because knowing how to play a game and knowing how to win that game are in two entirely different things. At what point in time are you... Because for me, I always hope... For, I, I I just said the line earlier, but like quite honestly, this is genuinely true of the case. Like I never learned anything from a win. I just know that the stuff I already knew absolutely worked. The, I, didn't, I didn't learn anything from that. Where I learn and where I do my most, most growth in learning about a game is when I lose. Like, ooh, I did this and that was a bad thing. I should have done this and this. It's kind of reflecting on those games. But... Some players, for example, don't seem to learn those lessons. And it's almost like that definition of insanity where like they keep trying the same thing over and over and over again. And they come with the same tactics and the same strategies, almost to the point that you could almost play the game in your head when you're sitting down. Oh, they brought this, 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 and this. They're going to do this, 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 and this. If I just go here, here, and here, I beat all those units, I win the game. Like, and it's almost like going through like muscle memory at that point. Like you're not even thinking about it. Like at what point in time though, are you like, do you talk about the, like, we need to work, uh, the, on, your, we need to work the, on your tactics. The, we need to work on your strategies. Oh, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? This is leading into what I was going to say about a potential topic for the future. Ah, I got you. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. that, that's analyzing your defeats, how to correctly go through and like, so let's talk about my X-Wing game, because it was last night, and it was one where I can easily focus, I can identify the feels bad moments and how it's easy to kind of go down and tunnel onto that, and this is what people generally do. Right? So I had a tri-fighter with um, Calculate Token, and he had Carol Ren in the Whisper. He jammed off my Calculate Token as his action, and then shot me. So he's shooting four dice with force into my three health, three agility ship, no mods. I it can die here. I it is what it is. Then he I roll three blanks on my he rolls a hit and a crit. I roll three blanks on my evade, so I I'm taking a hit and a crit. Alright, well I've got three health. There's five direct hits in the deck, so should be okay, maybe you know, thirty-three card, whatever. Um, Pretty first, good chance they'll be good. But then it's like, oh, I've got Kylo's ability, so that I'm going to make you deal that card face up. And I can't remember if it was a direct or if it was a few leak because the crit was going to follow it. But whatever, it didn't matter. E either way, whatever crit was killed me. I'm like, oh, oh well, right. Could have done with rolling a paint there, couldn't I? I could have just not been there. This is true. Right. And remember, I went I went down in points turn two, turn three to the end of the game, I was winning. I was only like one or two points in it, 
but I was always ahead in the game. But that moment still stood out as like, fuck's sake, I died to two hits. Effect, you know, my three agility shit. Uh, it's annoying. It's easy to focus on that, but I was still winning the game. So that isn't why I lost. Or, you know, like, or um, he went over a rock and self bumped up uh, and didn't take any damage. I shot my entire list into his two agility SF and left it on one hole and had to waste dots on it next turn. Uh, it, uh, he had like four, four health left. I fired four, four ships into it and left it on one hole. He's blowing up one of my ships with one shot, and it's all it's those framings. The universe owes me that ship being dead because this happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why right? should his ship? Why he shot my ship with one of his and it died? I shot his ship at range one with three of my ships. Yeah, and it was already damaged and it lived. Why did that happen? That's not fair, is it? Because he had yeah. the force on his I, side. <laughs> you know, but it's those. No, that it wasn't even a, a far ship, Sean. It no, no, was no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just, but you, you know, it's one of those yeah. things. Of like, yeah, been there many like, times. That shouldn't be the focus. That's not why I won or lost that game. The dice results shouldn't be where your focus is for what, like, what happened, why it went wrong, where it went wrong. It's the choices. And the things that you can control because you can't control right. dice results. Right? Did I lose the game against Greg because he rolled four sixes in the first round of fight? No, I lost the game against Greg because I put myself in a position that he was going to get to engage into my lines and that I had to approach in the open through his fire. Right. So he killed my troll and then won the fights that were in his favor. He was always like he has a re-roll on his fight roll, same as me, and he has a higher fight value. So he should win more of those fights than he and he loses. It feels worse because he rolled sixes, which meant it was in my role was irrelevant. Yeah. Cause I, I but if he rolls a two and I roll a one, he still wins. If he rolls a one and I roll a one, he still wins. Yeah. So it, like it was all the engagement we had was always in his favor. So I don't focus on the fact that he rolled the sixes, but it's, it would be easy to. I lost that game because you rolled four sixes in that first fight and ended it as a competition. Isn't the reason I lost the game. Right. That's the act that closed the game as a competition, but getting to be there was how I lost. And it's that kind of mindset of analyzing those two different things. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're done. <laughs> You're like, I think I, I've uh, reached the end. Uh, as in, I think to continue any further, we we trail off into other topics. So I think we kind of rounded out there. But um, uh, yeah, figuring out it, it's the principal Skinner meme. Um, am I <laughs> no. out of touch? It's a children. Uh, yeah, no, clearly it's the children. It's definitely not uh, me. Did, did I make a bad list? No, it's the dice that were wrong. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like. If you can figure out if you're the one who needs to raise your game, and if you if you're losing and don't think you need to raise your game, you're wrong. Yes, you don't you don't have to raise your game. You can talk to your opponent and just but just be honest. I, I don't think there's anything wrong, especially if it's the friend group type of play. Like if we were all playing 
and we were playing magic and you two are vastly more experienced and i'm just playing my squirrel deck because it's the only thing that i would ever want to play because it makes you happy yeah like at some point i would say can you not play your blue deck that's just not fun yeah like we know you're going to win that game so we can pretend we played that game and play another game where you don't play that yeah and that, that kind of thing i i'm i'm not i mean this is a lie i would spend all of the money buy more magic cards and try and beat you by just getting the best thing ever and just spending sure, money on it sure. because i'm an idiot but there's nothing wrong it there's nothing wrong with saying like i just don't want to lose to that again do you want to do something else or like it is there a change that between the two of us we can get to oh. yeah i don't know yep no i agree all right. Well, if that's going to do it, we will button this one up. Chris, I know you've got some stuff you want to do in the end, but before I do that, I'm going to say, Sean, always good to talk and hang out with you. Yeah, always good to be here. Chris, always a pleasure as usual. All right, are you ready? You're not going to check out this time. I'm going to go through how you close the show. Okay. I will follow. Because I listen when I'm editing. So yeah. no, I didn't. I yeah. didn't. I I didn't add in anything to the last. You show didn't point. add in anything at all. I was no, kind of. I, I just left it with you bumbling through the closing. Okay. So we have a <laughs> website, don't we? We do. You can go to lackoffocus.com and that'll bring up the podcast. So mentioning that's a good thing. Probably not you a can, bad idea. Yeah, you, you can go to the uh, the website for Dicey as well. That's dicey.com. Yeah. And on if you go to a website. You can tell people about joining the Patreon there because it's all linked. You can tell people about the Discord. Just go to a website, go to dicet.com, and you find all the cool stuff. Look, Easy. I literally just got handed the keys to the, the hosting beginning abilities. <laughs> I will 100% up my game <laughs> on the closing of it. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. But um, as always, thank you to the patrons. It's been great. All of the uh, templates um, and tokens should have got sent out now. I took them back to the UK and mailed them from the UK. So if you believe you should have some Whack of Evade tokens and do not currently have them, please let me know. And I'll actually be, I'll send another set out. It doesn't matter, whatever. We'll figure it out. Um, the next batch of stuff is going to be uh, me launching the website and then everyone will have a 10% patron discount off a website as a matter of course and theoretically that will stack so if something's on sale your 10% will be on top of that sale it won't be a you know of a, that's a a 15% discount so your 10% discount isn't useful it'll be a, a stacking thing for being a patreon and I but, can um, say that the, the discount does exist. Yeah. You can confirm. I can I confirm. Did that stuff arrive? I can't remember. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I told you. But I think you were yeah. I was getting ready for your care. trip. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. getting ready for your trip. Yeah. That's good. And I love the love the dials. They're awesome. Yeah. Custom work. Custom acrylic. Yep. Oh, it's good. Um but yeah, that is uh it from me. The I'm not going to promise dates and things because I've been saying like the web store will open since January was the target. We're now in June and it still isn't. So, you know, I'll just, I won't let any more people down. But yeah, that, that's the plans at the moment. There will be um, 
as we've said, giveaways and other stuff. We've kind of been revamping different shows. Hopefully people are enjoying that. So we'll figure stuff out. But yeah, that's it for me. Alrighty. Who's up next for the show pick? She, back to you, Ed, I think. You, Ed. Back to me. Okay. We're Ed, gonna Sean, have... Chris, I think. Ed, yep. Sean, Chris. Yep. So... Um, I hope everyone did enjoy this one. We will see you again in two weeks. And until next time, guys, as always, fly casual. Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions.